0: All right, so we are going to discuss the uh, recent podcast that NGNG TV did with Paul and Chris, um, give you a bit of an overview of what they discussed and our thoughts on it.
1: Uh, So, I mean, to kick us off, PGI had a discussion about um, the PTS, which they clarified stands for um, post-traumatic stress. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, uh, public test server, I believe
0: Yes, heavy emphasis on the word test Uh,
1: Through its uh, couple of incarnations there 1.0 and 1.1 Talked about a little bit about the results They got some insights out of that Which um, hopefully you guys have seen Posted up on the forums uh, Basically stating that they weren't going to go ahead with it, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, obviously the purpose was to um, test some things out um, and in particular changing some values around um, clan lasers and um, course recoil. Uh, but effectively, um, you know, they're, they're seeing whether making those changes is going to have, um, you know, what outputs you can get from that and, and whether that's something that they should go ahead with.
1: Yeah, I mean, the the, the key insight there was that it um, adversely affects the mechs that aren't targeted by the nerf. Like it's not hitting just the death strike and it's, it's, you know, people predicted that, that um, my own feedback was that on the, on, on the public test feedback was that, you know, the ice ferret feels kind of worthless. Um, And so they're not going to go ahead with that in that form.
0: Yeah, um, you know, Chris and um, and Sean Lang talked about um, their experience of it. Obviously, Phil's being a bit different from Chris. You know, Chris said he he tries to be agnostic and, and, um, you know, wait until he um, sees what happens and what he's testing in there is, you know, uh, maybe a bit different to what everyone else is. But, I mean, Phil um, talked about the fact that in changing the damage values uh, in in 1.0, um, basically people are just going to do workarounds. That even if you um, you know change up that alpha, then you know they're going to they're going to add ER large lasers um, or other things. Um, he he said that you know even in 1.1 um, with the increase to duration, he didn't think that the change was was particularly significant.
1: And it's important to note, I think that it's flexible adaptable mix like the death strike which can really cope with some changes like that they can just i you know those weapons aren't great anymore no worries i'll just equip a couple more of these or you know switch something out and um it's the mix like the ice ferret which is reliant on those er medium lasers um that you know doesn't have another option that it can just grab it doesn't have the pod space to you know just chuck in any large laser or two uh, and, and still be effective
0: from the you know the feedback that phil gave in that chris gave um you know it doesn't sound as though the pts was particularly enlightening
1: i guess on a surface level we um see the public test server um and talk about the public ser- test server as being a way that people can go out there and um test drive those changes, PGI can look at that data, draw conclusions from it, and, and and we can all get a look and see how it's going to pan out and try and get a gauge on it. A company like PG, PGI should be doing PR, and they should be listening to their community and, and gauging player feedback and, and how liked or disliked changes are going to be. That's the kind of thing they should be doing.
0: Yeah, you know, giving players the chance to have a play around, or at least feel as they can they're contributing. You know, it's what the community scream out for, isn't it? So, you know, you've got to, you've certainly got to give them the props for um, doing that, and and then giving people that opportunity. So, Kim, I mean, I really wanted to talk to you about, I mean, the next and probably one of the most pertinent points from the podcast, which is is the K K2- two. Too tanky. <laughs> yeah. i think the memes are going to flow freely um, around the tankiness of a of a k2 i mean i, I love the neck to be fair but uh yeah tanky probably wouldn't be um how i described it you know just around changing the weapon values and around um you know clan laser uh vomit in particular that that was spoken about specifically you know what are some of the points around that how did you feel about what they what they talked about
1: uh yeah i thought they were pretty um Bang on, really, with with uh, with with some of the things that they said. Um, it really feel like uh, it really felt to me like they were um, ticking off a lot of the um, things that the community wants to hear, that they know about, like about that they understand that proportions of mech balances are based on a lot of different things above and beyond just the weapons that you have on there. Um, that it has a lot to do with, you know, other parameters such as like mech geometry and things like that. Um, It seemed very clear to me that they're intending to bring back the nerfs to clan lasers and it's by no means off the table. They're just going to look at it from a different angle.
0: I mean, do you think that's necessary? Good idea?
1: Uh, Yeah, actually. Uh, I'm in the camp that I think clan lasers are slightly overpowered and deserving of a small nerf. I think that um, it's easy to see outliers in a game like this or in a system like this, where everything's interconnected, and think and overestimate how overpowered something is because it's so prevalent. You see a lot of clan laser vomit. I mean, it's it's kind of the. I would. I mean, I've heard it said, and I kind of agree that the method is already kind of shifting away from clan laser vomit somewhat, but I mean, it is still strong. And um, it could just be that a small nerf will be enough to bring it in line with everything else, and anything heavy-handed will just, again, like we saw with small pulse lasers, make them completely
0: irrelevant and not worth taking at all. Paul and Chris, I thought, brought up some really good points around um, clan lasers, and obviously they have a really, really good understanding there. Um, you know, they used the Hellbringer and the um, jack as examples in saying that... Um, you know, Clan Laser is setting You know, those mix so far above their equivalents on the IS side as to make those other mechs almost redundant. And that's kind of one of the main um, risks, and that they sit around Clan Lasers. And the, the the reason that they need to be balanced, I guess, is because they may be crowding out other other mix and other and other weapon styles and loadouts, um, but. How far they go to bring that balance back? I guess that's what the the community are, are need to feedback on, and, and you know some of the things that maybe we're a little, little worried about, maybe not because of the mechanics that will change in game, but maybe even about the way it makes people feel about the game.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. That you know that almost trumps everything else. If I'm psychic like you said, the hovering into the Evan Jack, and the first question. It, That popped into my head is 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 that the best comparison? Is it necessary for each 65 tonner to be in line with each other 65 tonner? Or are there counters outside of the same tonnage bracket that are more important?
0: Okay, so I agree with that but let me ask you this. Is there a... Because as we discussed last time in our last podcast, that balance is about uh, preventing a dominant meta, a dominant strategy emerging, and, and um, either implementing counters to that, uh, rocks as paper, or bringing that back in line so that it's not just a button that you can go to. To It's not a win button. Um, but should those mechs be equal, and if they shouldn't, what is the counter to clan lasers? What is the counter to a Hellbringer?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, getting in amongst them with a lighters or a couple of piranhas is it's always a good way to counter anything. But, I mean, it's undeniable that um, a Hellbringer is a strong mech. I mean, getting being able to get in their face with anything that can DPS them down is is the obvious counter, because once a... Once the harbouring is hot, it's pretty much useless once and something's in your face. You know, it, it's. If, if they manage to push you, you've already lost, really. If you're fighting SRMs and, yeah. you know, AC-20s and, and things like that, because you, you blow your wad and then, you, you know, the strategy is to hide until you cool down. Well, you can't hide if
0: somebody's 100 metres away from you. On average, though. You know, are the clan lasers going to be better across all situations and therefore they're going to be a more dominant strategy to adopt than, you know, those counters that we put in place? Yeah, for
1: sure. Like I said, I think they are deserving of a slight nerf. How big or small that nerf is, is um, the uh, uh, difficult job of PGI to to work out. Um, how far do you need to push that lever before the other thing's come up in comparison to it? I mean and and is is it that you need to um, as well as doing small nerfs to that dominant weapon also give buffs to
0: the to the counters? Yeah. So I mean in that would be my next point is to say rather than using a balance mechanism, an internal mechanism like changing the values and the damage outputs or the, the capabilities of those weapons um, is it better for like we talked about in our last episode? Is it better for PGI to, um, you know, look at other ways to um, bring balance to that situation, such as direct counters?
1: Mm. And I mean, I think it, like the, reflective armor or mm. yeah, direct counters is an interesting idea. I, th- I think we've got counters in the game that just need to be pressed into service, really. Um, I mean, I'd love to see some more. Um, weapons and things in the game, I think that, you know, the Civil War update really refreshed the game, brought people back and, you know, heavy course, MRMs, ATMs, all those kind of weapons that that came in, uh, most of them, (laughs) um, have really added a lot of flavour and and options for mechs that in fact reinvigorated mechs that were otherwise kind of dead, like, say, the IV-4. And um, I think it kind of ties into what they talked about straight afterwards, which was um, um, talking about how a nerf to clan laser vomit would necessitate a nerf to IS survival.
0: Yeah. I mean, can you explain why that would be
1: needed? <laughs> I don't know if it's my place to really explain the reasoning behind that because I'm not quite sure I agree with it. But, I mean, I, I could, can try uh they, so the idea i guess is that um if it, 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 it assumes that the is survival is put in place as a direct consequences of the power of clan laser vomit, right does that make or, sense
0: or is it saying in in some way um is it also though that um the power the damage output of clans is the hallmark of that faction, and the hallmark of the Inner Sphere faction is that tankiness.
1: Oh, I wish it was saying that because that's what I love about those two factions. I love that there's that asymmetric balance between clan and IS. You know, like we've, you and I have spoken about that. There's seven hundred twenty something odd mechs in the game. We don't want them all to be the same, and we certainly yeah. don't want clan and IS to be the same despite what some people say we we've got to give them a reason to be there we've got to give them a reason to be different and and yeah. the, and for me that that um, clan weapons are superior and is a tanky is is the quintessential difference between the two
0: so what were your thoughts captain on Paul's comments around time to kill
1: so Paul uh, talked about um, power creep and time to kill uh, as a direct uh, response to the idea that we should be putting a load of buffs into the game um, that we should be doing more buffs than nerfs is the sort of community feedback uh, headline um, and that you know that the damage that that would do to TTK or time to kill would uh, it just writes that off, He's just vetoes that basically Um, And that also, um, that buffs uh, would uh, affect heavy and assaults disproportionately more, because they're the ones that can take the most heavy weapons and things like that. I I had a couple of thoughts on that, and the first one is um, that there is whole weapon groups in the game currently that have been, uh, even some of them that were from the Civil War patch, that uh, were designed... Uh, tested, coded, put in the game. They've been balanced. Basically, what I'm saying is that they've put in time, and they're not getting used because they're not good. Um, so the micro pulse laser is one of those. Um, you know, there's you, I, I know there's going to be people out there going, "I use those on such and such a mech, and and it's great." Well, you know, you can always make a mech work. Whether it's, whether it's um, competing on the level of some of the other weapons is a different question altogether. Um, it's it's not good. I mean, I heard Paul say elsewhere in the podcast in regards to LRMs that they were, before the buffs, dead weight in the game. Well, there's
0: a lot of dead weight in the game. I will say that he, he, did, um, he did add to that, though, to say... It was combined with a level of hostility towards players that carry those weapons. That also kind of dictated the changes there. So
1: yeah, yeah. Well, we can talk about we can talk about the LRMs as well. Um, but but the the key thing that I was pulling out of that was that, that we don't want stuff to be in the game. Nobody's using it because what's the point of that? And I think that the idea that buffing weapon systems would um, decrease time to kill i.e., you know, make it that you die sooner, um, is uh, it's not telling the whole truth of the story because, at the moment, time to kill is predominantly set by the most popular and powerful weapons in the game, right? Because, you know, if you look around on the battlefield, the vast majority of people are using the weapons that are the most effective and not using the weapons that aren't effective. So ch- making changes to those under effective weapons is not going to increase time to kill it's just going to increase the amount of the that you see on the battlefield does that make sense
0: it does so you could make uh, micro pulse lasers better but if um you know clan other clan lasers are still good people are still going to carry those
1: well here's another example that's probably closer to most people's heart than micro pulse lasers which probably not many people care about ac20s now ac20s have the ghost heat limit of one meaning that if you fire two you get a pretty decent heat spike from
0: that yeah big old heat spike
1: yeah that is set from a time in the game when the kind of mix that could bring ac20s were initially catapults and then later on jaeger mix and they were the like only mix in the game that could take dual ac20s and at the time that was an outlier And it needed to be looked at and and tuned because um that would have reduced time to kill we're in an environment in the game where we now have clan mix for a start but above and beyond that we have you know dual heavy course we can charge up and fire two heavy course slugs which zip across the battlefield at a million miles an hour and smash into someone for 50 damage and no heat yeah and then ac20s for some reason which are slow as hell, you have to lob shot them, they have no range, and have massive heat while you're limited to firing one at a time. So this is the kind of area where you you, you could change that value, you could buff AC-20s by increasing the ghost heat limit so that you can fire two at a time, at the very least, and it wouldn't have any effect on time to kill. the game because i mean the kind of mix that would bring them are the same kind of mix that are currently taking heavy course maybe you can go a little lighter on the mix that you bring and potentially some cheese builds even in the medium category but for the most part the fact that it's got super short range it's got decent heat anyway even without ghost heat and it's slow is going to offset
0: that Okay, I'm liking that idea. Are you saying, Elgato, that <laughs> you don't necessarily need to bring to nerf clan lasers that much? You could bring other weapon systems up, but as long as you don't take them up beyond you know, the most dominant weapon systems that are there already or the, the potential that they have then you're not increasing total time to kill
1: that's right or decreasing time to kill meaning that you die sooner there's a little bit it gets a bit confusing to talk about increasing time to kill decreasing time to kill but yeah
0: how would that how would that influence say the other two important things such as the parity between is and clan and the parity across the mech classes do you think there would be any influence there
1: yeah i mean if, if, so a change to ac20 I mean that's not going to affect anything lighter than say let's say 50 tons very much uh in terms of that that they're not the ones bringing it anyway so that if you buff ac20 mix you're talking about something that's 50 tons or heavier right but that's not really going to change the environment that those lighter mix are driving in because that's already an environment that has dual heavy gorse or dual course or um you know laser vomit in it makes sense and then as uh, along with that i mean there's, there's a whole host of lighter weapons which are um needing some love i mean small pulse lasers aren't in a terrible place but they could they could be a bit better srms are having a little bit of trouble at the moment um we talked about the micro pulse and um and those sort of things, but so there's a whole host of weapons that lights and light mediums could use that uh, could also be brought up to be competitive in the marketplace, in the weapon
0: marketplace,
1: with um, the things that are already there and being used.
0: So rather than bringing clan lasers down, it might be beneficial to bring other weapon systems up. And one of the benefits to that would be that you know other mechs and other. Playstyles might become more viable. Is that what you're telling me?
1: Yeah, exactly. And they're, they're, you're also buffing the counters to that laser vomit as well. Because once you, you know, once you, like I said, once you push into the range of a, of a clan laser vomit mech um, with your DPS weapons, well, they're in a whole lot of trouble once they get hot. Talking about the stated aims of PGI here, which is not to have dead weight in the mech lab, and 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 not only that, but we've, they're bought and paid for. We've invested our dev time in it. Let's make sure they're getting used.
0: Nice. That sounds good. All right. Now, speaking of pushing into range, I know that you are very, you were very excited uh, about this part of the conversation, which is about LRM. <laughs> I know that you really like to, to play LRM mix for anyone out there. So, um uh, that's slander. It's a vile slander. <laughs> yes, I mean, I, you cop a lot of hostility, so I, you know, I try and stick up for you when people are <laughs> slandering you about your, um, your LRM. Uh, so for your LRM uh, supernova. <laughs> no, i um, seriously, you know, look, I'll start because I, I actually really appreciated um, what they talked about. Um, I thought there was a huge amount of merit in. Um, you know, initially what they were saying about um, buffing LRMs because, you know, there, there had been a certain amount of redundancy there. Not, not just that the weapon system itself had kind of faded into obscurity, but that in playing LRMs, um, people were copping a lot of hostility. Um, the one point that uh, I thought was maybe missed was that the hostility around LRMs isn't necessarily about the weapon the hostility around LRMs, I think, is the play style that's associated with the weapons. Mm. Um, so that if you, you know, if you are um, using indirect fire um, and you're, you know, six, seven hundred meters back and you're in a heavier an assault, that means that your team is, um, you know, maybe missing out on your armor, um, you know, and you taking some shots for the team. Uh, and I think the best evidence of that is that I don't see or hear the same hate for ATMs. That I do for LRMs, uh, or the same hostility, because to make to make ATMs f- truly effective, you kind of need to be up there within uh, you know the kind of four hundred to two hundred meter range. So, d- how did you feel about the discussion around the LRMs? Yeah,
1: I can appreciate some. I can appreciate some of what you're saying there in terms of the hostility and things like that. I mean, personally, like I've just said, I despise lock-on weapons as a personal choice for me to run. I've never really had a problem with other people bringing it as long as they were, you know, doing it thoughtfully and being effective. Um, I was surprised to hear him say that nobody was bringing LRMs beforehand and that they were kind of dead weight. That's, I mean, the LRMs have always kind of been there. I would say there's, before the buff, there was probably going to be LRM in every game, um, just as part of the game. Maybe they're not uh, there as such a massive plot of the um sort of the marketplace in terms of what weapons are in each game like maybe there's a higher proportion of clan laser vomit or, or 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 those other things that were talked about in the podcast but they were there um i think one big change is uh whenever there's a buff to LRMs people use it more whether or not it makes a huge difference, you're going to see them more prevalently on the battlefield, um, because people are taking them out there to give it a go for a start initially, and then when they find them effective, and, a, and especially when you know uh, half the teams out there with, with LRMs, they are more effective on um, mass, and so that shifts the meta in itself. Just the fact, just the mere fact that they were buffed whatever the buff is, shifts the meta because people take it out to try it and then on uh, mass they're more effective so people keep bringing it.
0: Yeah, but shifting the meta would mean that rooms would need to be a dominant strategy. I, I agree with a lot of the feedback that I, I don't think that's the case. I think that the feedback around the buffs to LRM has been all outrage at the playstyle that's associated with LRMs, mm. the hang in the back and shoot from, you know, using the rest of your team as armor. I don't think it's related to the weapons themselves because I think LRMs can be effective. I've got no problem if they, they buff the use of it. But my worry is that it's one of those, it's a butterfly effect thing where they are encouraging the use of the weapon, but they're not addressing the play style that goes along with it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's 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 a really good insight um that you've had really quickly on LRM's. Um so I mean I mean undeniably an unpopular uh change amongst certain camp within the community. Um and they have said that they're going to um, put in some rebalancing uh to nerf LRM's in the August patch, didn't they say?
0: Yeah, so uh, you know the um, changes to Arty and and the uh, cooldown to NARC, buffing ECM.
1: I do think that um, these changes to LRM's are pretty appealing. If they're, if they're not going to look at um, reducing or uh, reversing some of those buffs that they've made, then sure, make them make them a little bit more challenging to use, um, and and reduce the effectiveness of those um, you know assistant things like. Um, Artemis and tag and
0: stuff for sure. Okay. So one of the last things that um, they covered in the podcast was Paul's discussion around the scope of balance, um, you know, alluding to that kind of butterfly effect that we've already mentioned. Uh, and he did bring up the example of the engine desync. What, what were your thoughts around that? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, talking about roll back, rolling back the agility for some mechs and um, the example they use with the Atlas. Great do it do it do it you know tomorrow do it in this august patch for sure i i I do think that um the engine desync again um like some of the other changes discussed i think the engine desync was a good change because it was just straight you know if your mech can bring a big engine it's better at moving around than other mechs and i think i like the idea that mobility is set um by values uh, per chassis, or even per variant in some cases, um, and moving some mix back towards that pre tree baseline uh, is is the kind of change that we're looking for when we're talking about buffing mobility and stuff like yeah. that. I think it it was kind of um, it was kind of ironic that they talked about um, you know the straight after the engine desync conversation they talked about how um, if they do these uh, nerfs uh, you know obviously we're talking about clan laser vomit and in, in this podcast but you know you could be talking about uh, They think they were they're expanding it to talk about any nerf that they may do in the future well that can be counted by quirks for any mix that are you know overly affected for example the ice ferret well desync has been out for over a year now and now they're talking about that some things are not in line. That now they're talking about, you know, some mechs got overly affected by that. And I think that is really the yardstick that you need to um, gauge community reactions to these kind of changes by, is that uh, a lot of people are quite jaded and they expect that if there is a change put into the game, like a nerf, that, any rebalancing done after the fact to, to you know, once it's obvious that that change um, killed small pulse lasers or killed the mobility on an atlas, um, how long does it take to get that reactive patch to fix that? And it, 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 Historically, it just
0: takes far too long. I mean, Paul and Chris did talk about the fact that uh, with the engine desync, if people invested in mobility, um, such as with the Atlas, then you um, get to mobility and agility figures that are bigger or, or, or better than um, what they were prior to engine desync. Uh, and, you know, they, they did talk about, um, you know, people maybe don't understand that some of those decisions or trade-offs are needed, um, but but the counter to that is, I did see some stuff um, posted already on the forums about, you know, needing... It is a significant investment of your skill points to achieve those things. Um, and if an atlas, if you know, people will tend to default where they buff. Uh, you know, they um, they skill up the strengths of a mech. So if a mech has armor quirks, then they're gonna you know look at survivability to buff that. And by doing that, it means that there's simply not enough um, left over to invest in those other trees. I mean, you know, how do you feel about that? Do you think that players you know, maybe sometimes ignore that there's going to be those trade-offs.
1: Uh, potentially. I mean, I, I think amongst the um, the savvy players, we know exactly what the uh, advantages or uh, disadvantages to take taking those nodes is going to be. And when you're talking about an atlas, you know, having having a node that does a few percent of nothing is really feels doesn't feel like a worthwhile investment of your skill points. Um, the 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 amount of mobility that a, a mech like an Atlas gets out of a full mo- mobility tree is barely noticeable, and I, I really struggle to believe that for for the example of the hundred tons at least that a, um, a mobility tree Atlas is as mobile as it was pre Um on the other hand, it is it is true that people are knowingly taking a trade off to, you know, grabbing mobility on an assault in exchange for grabbing survival and weapon trees, that sort of thing. Um, that that for sure is true. Um, it's, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, that is your choice to do that. But on the other hand it's probably the right choice to make as well that you know if you if you're in a big fat assault um mobility is not really what you're about anyway you know you you know certainly in the case of the annihilator or whatever you're kind of just a turret putting yourself in the right place to start with and not really moving around that much is is the key there um mobility is certainly speed tweak and things like that aren't going to make any difference um and then there's mechs like, say, the Gargoyle, which, um, I mean, Paul talked about, um, you know, buffing those uh, mechs up like the the Atlas and things so that they, they would actually be uh, more mobile than they were before the desync um, once you take those nodes or if you, t- if you choose to take those nodes. Well, I mean, in my experience, when I'm looking at, at mechs like the Gargoyle, which already are super mobile, And I'm like, great, I can skip the mobility tree because they're already pretty damn mobile. I don't need to waste my investment into that. And I can really double down on weapons tree, survival tree, that sort of thing. So unfortunately, I'm not sure um, that, I think, conversely, buffing the mobility of those mechs is, is, is not going to increase the amount of people taking investment into mobility. In fact, I think people just take that free ride
0: yeah, yeah, I agree.
1: I mean, there's more than one way to, to skin a cat, to use that phrase. And uh, uh, it, each their own with the skill tree. You know, even at the highest levels of play, I see a lot of different ways of looking at the skill tree and, and people believing that, you know, this is the obvious best way and uh, it that don't align with other highly skilled players. So I think the skill tree kind of succeeded there in in that it is kind of a personal choice thing. People do do it their own way. I uh, uh, Then, so the final uh, thoughts there in that podcast were around um, how if people want to get their feedback in front of Paul especially, they need to be doing it in uh, the forums uh, in the Brown Sea and um, not on Reddit or Twitter or podcasts. Some yeah, maybe, us.
0: but um, I've got no doubt that Paul is listening to this. So, thanks for being an avid listener, Paul. We uh, we appreciate you, mate. Hi, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like just to um, to reiterate that, do get in there and, and um, give your feedback. Uh, I've I've read what's been on this so far, and Paul uh, has been very active. So, you know, you've um, you've got to have your say. So, you know, keep it um, keep it respectful, so that you don't get redacted. Um, try and make some some good cogent salient points uh and yeah but but get your get your mm. opinion on them
1: yeah i need to practice my non-emotional arguing and ne- it certainly could
0: be better at that yeah look i think everyone can i mean you, you know you you get guys like liketaragato that can um, put it in a really um structured and and um balanced way uh, but yeah look as long as you're respectful i think it's all right to be emotional um, but yeah, get I mean, get on there and have your say is the is the message. So be sure to get your feedback into the forums. And of course, we are also very keen to hear your feedback uh, on this issue or on some of the things that we have discussed today. Uh, great to hear whether you disagree or agree uh, with me in particular. Um, But yeah, get uh, as much comments to us as you can. Uh, You can do that by tweeting at us at IncomingP. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Uh, You can post comments uh, on YouTube where we will post this or, of course, uh, on the podcast platforms that this will feature. Uh, If you do want to give us an in-depth conversation, uh, then you can reach us at incomingmissilepodcast at gmail.com. I think we've covered it all. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll um, catch you with another episode not too far away. We're going to continue this discussion around balance. Uh, So we look forward to talking to you all then.